Alrighty, I think we're all settled here. Welcome back to another episode of the Spinner Pot of the Record Spinner Podcast. Once I learn, you know, my own um, my own show name, I think I'll I'll be perfect. Um, this week we're gonna talk about uh, some records. Well, I got a got a topic on the front of my head here, and uh, that I really want to kind of get out into the world and um, see how other people feel about it. Um, so, uh, following the structure that I've created for for shows going forward, I want to talk about just what's in the news, what's what's going on in the in the record world. And uh, if you didn't know, yesterday, I think, was, or was it today? It may have been today. Um, Today is, or yesterday was, uh, (laughs) Record Store Day. Uh, If you don't know, Record Store Day is kind of a commercially idea to kind of get the casual collector into vinyl. And it's a great idea. Um, it's, It's one of those things that I think helps advance the industry of music helps advance the industry or, or the, the hobby of, of, of physical music and artistry. Um, so so I have nothing bad to say about it in that regard. But, of course, it's it's had its own pushback in years for being described as a money grab or um, a way to, to overprice um, already overpriced <laughs> records, which I could totally understand. Um, a way to kind of flout one's uh, authority and and a prowess in the in the record collecting category, which I follow quite a few people on the social medias who do that very thing. You know, they have budgets for whether it be their own hard work, blood, sweat, and tears, or their parents. They have money to go and buy the new record store day edition. Uh, Deep Purple record or the record store edition. Um, I think this year there's a Don a Don Cherry record uh, in the record store edition. Now it's like it's it's become like everything else. It's become it's become very commercialized. So and so think of it as Christmas, right? Christmas starts as a very honest and and humbling holiday where you know you have this. Uh, the, it starts with the baby in the manger and and all the cutesy stuff. You fast forward some odd thousand years, and now it bec- it's a thing where where you have a Black Friday sale, and you have uh, a, a day before Christmas sale, and a day after Christmas sale, and all this hoopla. So Record Store Day is sort of the same concept. Um, for all those good and bad, uh, they have some really great releases. I think last year there was a real big focus on Sun Ra. And that's awesome. I'm a huge Sun Ra fan, so I, I think it was really great for him to get some shine finally uh, with the Record Store Day stuff. And this year, I don't know. I know Bitches Brew by Miles Davis was a huge uh, reissue this year. Um, I actually just repurchased uh, my original copy of Bitches Brew, so I'm not going to go and buy a, a Record Store Edition version, uh, Record Store Day edition version sorry um but yeah i think that's the that's the big news um i don't want to spend too much on that segment but uh but if you participated i participated this year i bought uh uh, cherry jam um by don cherry and it's apparently it's a 
I, I haven't heard it before because it's unreleased music, which is a good thing, I guess. Um, but Don Cherry, who kind of pushed the limits into free jazz and experimental jazz, um, it's a four-track four LP of unreleased music by the master trumpeter, flugelhornist. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, it's sure to be great. Um, I'm sure it, it will not disappoint, um, as I paid, of course, $40 for it. So <laughs> that magical number, right? $40. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to get it. Can't wait for it to get here, and I uh, will update you on that soon. Moving right along to the next segment. Um, and the next segment will be, uh, of course, um, what is my recent purchase or uh, new additions uh, I don't know what I'm going to call this but I know I did you know, if you heard last week's episode um, featuring Coco Roco uh, then you know I'm going to be doing uh, kind of a, a, se- uh, a segment where I just highlight recent purchases of, of records that I've, I've acquired and just tell you a little bit of a backstory about how they um how they've fallen into my hands. This week I don't really have one. Um I, I kinda have a uh a, a little bit prepared on um the black jazz record label. Um and it's Walter Bishop Jr. Um I have some notes on it, but I do wanna kinda present it in a in a better fashion than just kind of, you know, mention it on mentioning it on uh on, on this episode. Uh, but Walter Bishop Jr., I have Coral Keys, which is uh, a reissue of the infamous black jazz uh, record label, Jazz Session, uh, featuring, of course, Walter Bishop. I bought it because it featured my favorite, one of my favorite uh, trumpet players, uh, that is Mr. Woody Shaw. You'll hear his name a lot. I'll talk, to, I'll talk about him almost as much as I talk about Miles Davis. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a really dope LP, Coral Keys, um, but I I didn't really want to talk so much about the record as much as, uh, I I wanted to highlight just kind of some of the triumphs of black, of the black jazz record label. Um, not one of a con at all, um, very much in, in a, in a long line of entrepreneurial, independent, black jazz groups collectives if you will even um that found themselves in a very unique place in the 60s and 70s um and thought of a very unique and 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 different uh solution to their problem and that was um solving the black issue through black art but also on the business side of that not relying on the white man to release your music um and distribute your your music this was a, uh, it wasn't unbeknownst or unheard of um, previous, but it, it had never been done at that level. Um, of course, you've heard stories of like Ray Charles owning his own masters and other big music musicians who've who've gone to the heights of wanting to own their own music. Um, but as a as as a collective, as a, a on a strict business side of things, um, having a black jazz record label. Um, it was something that was seriously needed in that moment, and there could have been no better moment than uh, the sixties and seventies that saw, of course, the rise in in popularity of of the phrase "black power," which I much prefer to 
Black Lives Matter. Um, but but I support both, right? Uh, especially the people. Black is in both. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, Strata East is my favorite black jazz label of all time. But I mean, you can't get any blacker than just say, having your jazz label be called Black Jazz, right? Um, I think it's pretty cool. So uh, this record label was started out in Oakland. Uh, where a lot of very powerful, very uh, monumentous black movements come out of Oakland. I haven't been there myself, but uh, it's a very, very um, black place. Uh, historically, I mean, um, uh, the Panther Party essentially is born there. Um, a lot of your, even pre prior to the Panther mo movement, you get a lot of uh, black movements that come out of Oakland. It's just a very, very uh, revolutionary city. Can't wait to visit, of course. Uh, of course, me and a girlfriend have that on our list of places to go. Um, fuck San Francisco. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I want to wrap up. Um, I want to wrap up that by, by just saying if you haven't heard of the Black Jazz record label, uh, black jazz uh, go check them out um, they have a ton of amazing music very hard to get on vinyl um, this Walter Bishop record fell into my hands luckily at the amazing price of $32 via turntable.com turntablelab.com sorry um, that is an amazing place where you can get records in this time uh, of COVID uh, where you can't don't even have to leave your couch you just know how you just have to know how to type so check them out at turntablelab.com um and again um black jazz forever man because uh yeah we we're, we're the only ones that can do it like that so <laughs> so more power to us um yeah and with that i will turn it over into the main topic uh, the main topic today is kind of veering on on the side of what i've mentioned at the very top of the at the top of the show actually um it's 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 weird so eddie van halen passed away recently so it's weird that i'm now going from black jazz to eddie van halen <laughs> it's i feel like that's a weird uh it's a, it's a weird transition but whatever um so he passed away and rest in peace and in peace to his family and, and all who loved and, and admired and valued his life. Um, Van Halen was the quintessential American band. Um, and I can't even, can't even take anything away from him on that for sure. Um, however, this sounds horrible, right? But however, In the record industry, in the in the physical buying of records, buying and selling of records, there's a trend that happens, and and I noticed this back in 2016 with the death of, of the artist formerly known as Prince. But there's this trend that happens, and I mean we we understand it. We live in a capitalistic society. It's it's not one that anyone really likes or wants to be in somehow. But we all find ourselves in the in in the in the arms of it right um but it, it's a really ugly thing that happens and and that thing is um when artists pass and their work that their, their work becomes more valuable than what it was while they were alive 
Um, I don't know if anyone saw that horrible Miles Davis movie uh, done by Don Cheadle. I think it was called Miles Ahead or Miles Go Away or some weird shit like that. I did not like that movie at all. It was absolute trash. And if you've ever read or, or heard anything about Miles Davis, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm a Miles Davis scholar or anything, but having read his bio, autobiography, having read a lot, most of his interviews, that movie did nothing to capture the essence of Miles Davis. His dress, his swag, his coolness, his music, it did not do anything to capture that. So, Don Cheeto, try again. I get that you had to have a white guy in the movie because Hollywood wouldn't put it together. But next time, just make a, a, a Lifetime classic then. Just make a Lifetime classic and make it the way you want to make it. Because it doesn't need to be on a big screen, I guess. If white people don't want to see it or white people don't want to see it without a white person in it. I don't want to see it with a white person in it because Miles didn't like white people like that. <laughs> it's not true it's not true to form anyway uh, I digress on Miles but anyway uh, there's a line in that movie uh, even though it's pretty bad uh, I will not talk I will not get off of how bad that movie is um, but there's a line in that movie uh, from one of uh, the Columbia record execs that uh, expresses his uh, his dis- not disgust but just his disappointment in the fact that they're not really making money off of Miles Davis at this time. And this is around the late 70s, early 80s, which, or maybe even early 80s, mid 80s. But this is a time where Miles isn't making a lot of money off of his records. Uh, he's making more money probably off of his, off of his royalties. Um, but the record company isn't able to make millions of dollars like they used to off of him. So one of the record execs says, I just wish he would hurry up and die so we could make a lot of money off of him. And this is what I want to talk about today for the last five minutes that I have. This has to stop, and and and, and I get it. I, I I'm not a powerful person. I'm or we're not a powerful people. Even if if we wanted to put our voices together to stop this, but the notion that an artist is more valuable dead than alive has to be changed. Uh, there's an artist who is uh, he's a visual visual artist. He's a painter, um, and he if you live in the D.C. area and you frequent into Target over on uh, in Columbia Heights, over off 14th Street, you've seen this guy. Uh, he's a he's a black gentleman uh, with locks. Uh, he is from Senegal, I believe, and he has this jacket that uh, says so beautifully, "Do not wait until I'm dead." To value my work and I think that needs to be expounded upon in not only the visual artist community but the auditory the the, the listening the the music uh, the movies all of it it needs to be expounded upon in all of these areas because art is beautiful while art artists are still alive and we have to get out of our head this notion of only giving people roses when they're dead. Give people roses while they're alive. I'm a big fan of Spike Lee's movies. I talk about it all the time. Am I a big fan of his personal beliefs? I think he can go a little harder because his movies definitely go there. But his personal beliefs are sometimes a little bit lukewarm. I don't care about them. But i tell you one thing you'll know within five minutes of talking to me is the fact that I really value this guy's work. Really. And it goes the same for any of the artists that I listen to that are alive now. The Christian Scotts, the Theo Crockers. These artists are valued to me. Right now. 
while they're alive in their prime. And it doesn't matter where they take their music that I don't agree with or I do agree with or whatever. These artists have value. It's it's time to stop with the whole overpricing of people's material once they're deceased. Like, I, I get it on a very capitalistic level, on a very superficial surface level. Like, okay, now he's gone. There's no more art to be had. Let's collect all of the stuff that we can from this artist. And let's price it at a place where we can now gain a profit. Because it's in value. It, I mean, it's in demand. I get it. I totally get it. It's a business. It's, it's a genius move from the business aspect of it. But the thing is, these artists, a lot of times, art doesn't like business. Let's just, be, let's just keep it 100. And for an artist like Prince, who didn't want his music used in commercials or didn't want his music used in movies and, and all types of things that he didn't have power to approve of, it's just sad to see once they pass away, now it's just their way is out of the, out of the window. So I say all of that. I say all of that to say, peace to Eddie Van Halen and his family. Um, while they're grieving, of course, peace on their hearts. And I I hope that whatever his wishes were with with his music that he owned that he uh, that he created himself and and with his group, that uh, that those wishes be respected and um, and yeah, more power to the artists because because the business side of this stuff gets very very ugly and uh, it's it's not, I'm not a fan of it. So that's all I got. Uh, until next week. Until next time. Whatever. Um, you've been watching. You've been listening to the record spinner with Noel. I appreciate you. Peace.